From Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Hey, out there in Radio Land, it is I, your favorite political moderator from your favorite political download podcast. Uh, I'm Justin Russell, joining me in studio as I always do every time we broadcast. He is the former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade, served at last count under four presidents. He's the one we know as Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. Dan Lipner, Esquire, former Biden political boss and political operative attorney type here in D.C. and the state of Maryland. Hello, Daniel. And father to the happiest baby ever. That is true. And <laughs> somewhere at an undisclosed location, Richard Bino, author of such great books as Politics on the Ro- American Politics on the Rocks. Uh, Rich, how you doing? Good, thank you. Uh, we are fortunate to have Charlie Burney running the glass studio here for us. Thank you. Charlie, always good to have you behind the glass. And and by the way, since you have a microphone, you can chime in on some of the stuff if you want to, Charlie. Oh, I will. <laughs> uh, Eric Thomas, the producer, is out there somewhere in Radio Land, as is uh, Rob the Engineer, who you guys are usually uh, familiar with. Uh, in, in case you did not hear the first podcast that we posted on Tuesday, we had a really busy news day on Tuesday, and that was when we talked about the release of the impeachment inquiry report by Adam Schiff and the uh, House Intelligence Committee. There were so many. Now, we had been gone for two weeks. Uh, we are back, and a lot of stuff had happened. So this one's going to go long. Well, this show's going to go long. And by the way, uh, at uh, about 45 minutes after the hour, we're going to uh, be interviewing our friend Dan Gabriel, who, if you recall, was the make uh, the filmmaker who created a movie called a documentary called Mosul. Uh, it is uh, up any for, relationship to Peter Gabriel? No relationship. Oh. But, this, but uh, Mosul is now in contention for the nomination for best featured documentary. Uh, he's up for an Oscar. Interesting. Not a Grammy. Not a Grammy, because it's a movie, not a song. Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about this show. Thanks for keeping us on track. There is so much going on. Uh, Let's start first with the Democrats, because we're going to shoot through this real quick before we get to Donald Trump's uh, overseas trip across the pond to London and the NATO meetings and then everything else. But uh, big news happening this week. I mean, we... uh, Dan Lipner, the biggest news I think was the uh, the cessation of the candidacy of what was largely looked at as a front runner, Kamala Harris, the former AG in the state and the junior senator from California, has dropped her run for the Democratic nomination. Surprised? Um, uh, that she got out before Iowa. Yeah, I, I am a bit surprised. By that, uh, she she had a little bit of uh, bad news. The senior advisor also quit um, a couple days ago uh, with a parting blow, saying he had never worked on a campaign that had mistreated staffers as badly as as uh, the Harris campaign did. Um, but in part, she uh, never caught fire, and it was the failure to construct a narrative of of who she was and why she was did, running as part of the reason that did, that, that did, she did failed. Did this organization in the campaign, because, I mean, the, the 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 buzz coming out of the uh, Kamala Harris campaign offices were just not pretty, and she had reshuffled the deck once or twice in the past few months. Uh, did, the, did the lack of cohesiveness add to or play a part in her not catching any of the strength that was largely she was largely touted for or forecasted to have or was it her herself so i've had experience with multiple presidential campaigns with multiple candidates and one thing i can say for certain it always comes back to the head of the beast the campaigns reflect the candidate uh, for their best and their worst and the moment uh, that Kamala Harris had uh, taking her swing against Joe Biden about with the busing issue, um, which was a great moment for her on the debate stage. But it was Bush League the day after when her 
her and her communications team never realized that the national press, unlike local press, might ask, well, what's your position on that? And lo and behold, they were flat-footed, and at the end of the day, it looked a lot like Joe Biden's position on busing. And that's part of the failure of the narrative of who she was. People knew she was a prosecutor, but then being a prosecutor wasn't fashionable, and she couldn't construct a narrative of making a that a prosecutor and actually reforming our criminal justice she, system. She was an attorney general in the biggest state in the country. Correct. And in a Democratic narrative, hell, just in the country's narrative, that we have a evolving sense of what criminal justice looks like, her campaign was unable to construct a narrative that allows people to see the evolution of how we view criminal justice in this country. It's kind of shocking that they couldn't... They couldn't foster that but conversation he, and build her into a hero for those changes, as opposed to a no-nonsense prosecutor who put people in, in jail for three strikes, and then she was playing defense on it for the rest of her time and in that, the race. And that's what surprises me, Ellen Moore, is that- People looked at facts we, we, but, and but the, the facts of her record. But here's the thing. The facts, so, no, and, no and, and what Alan's saying is correct. And the facts of her record are what they are. But there is still a narrative that you can that you can construct. And it's the narrative of the country that we've seen that the three strikes and you're out laws that while it, when the country was in a state of fear, we wanted to throw everything. We wanted to throw the book at people. And then we began to see that's not the most effective down, way but, but you, of solving the problems that are right. in the country. But if you they couldn't down, construct that narrative. If you break down Kamala Harris, you look at her, you say, okay, she was a prosecutor and an attorney general, but she was that in California. She was a female presidential candidate that was black but couldn't get the black vote behind her. Uh, it almost seems like this was doomed to fail. It's not just her. None of the African-American candidates are getting the African-American well, vote. I mean, that, that's, 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 that's something for another uh, another uh, episode. It, no, but, it, uh, you shouldn't just lay it on her, her feet. It's, no, no, no. But what I'm saying is, is that— She did better than Corey. Yeah, she's doing much better than Corey, but Isn't still— Isn't Corey still in the race? <laughs> yeah, barely. Oh, is, yeah, that, is, that, is that the measure? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say. So, so is, so is uh, Miss Moonbeam, but— uh, Duval Patrick's still in the race. It, it, she, uh, Duval Patrick has money. Um, Not but, much. Yeah, got, well, Wayne Mason's out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Alan Moore, the, the thing about it is it it just, we, we get the impression, if you go off of initial buzz when this first kicked off about a year ago, that you know Kamala Harris had that big, big rally out in California. She had a good turnout. 20,000. There seems to have been a lot of energy behind her. How did she fall so far so quick? And yet we're seeing, surprisingly, as he said, Cory Booker's still in it, but barely. But, you know, the other players, uh, Warren, Klobuchar, even Mayor Pete is taking a big swing here. How did, how did, you mean even? He's leading in Iowa. He's taking a big swing. <laughs> Nobody, what I'm He's saying the is, one that's going, there's two that are going up. Right. And that's Mayor, Mayor, Mayor Pete. Pete and, and Mayor Mike. Mayor Mike. He's who's, fifth now. He's already doubled his, uh, he started out at 3%. He's gone up to 5 or 6 Believe me, I don't think that there's the, but, that. But how did, how did, how did amazing what well? $50 billion will do. Yeah, no, but how did, I mean, look, I mean, the fact that he can self-fund this thing and it basically amounts to a bar tab for him is not a big deal. This is not a big, huge impact on his financial uh, no. standing. Well, no, but, it's partly it's the money, but also be, so he can introduce himself all over the country. But also, it speaks to the fact that that Democrats who really do <coughs> care mostly about beating Trump are are looking at some candidates who are not wearing as well as they were hoping. Uh, the Warrens and the and the Sanders, uh, in particular, who who have both been on the decline. Um, Biden has has righted his ship. He fell and then he stabilized. Then he he came back up a bit. Sanders um, was pretty static. His ba so, his base hasn't moved much. So fair point. But I, I think he's he's. I think my read is that 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 he peaked a while back. But he's not. He hasn't lost a third of his followers like Warren has. That's true. Yeah, that's actually the the real story. The the Warren and I've actually had a, a lot of back and forth with with folks on the Democratic side, uh, fellow. Political 
political operatives. And we, we and my contention is while the merits of Medicare for all um, the, the substance of it, setting that aside. Right. How Elizabeth Warren rolled out Medicare for all and her 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 plan. Right. It was off brand for Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, for all of her other, I have a plan for that. There was a long narrative, a long explanation that she would go in. She would walk you to why it mattered. The Medicare for all was ham handed, and I would go as far as say pandering, because. And this is the thing that's made me nervous about Elizabeth Warren is less her than her brain trust, because I am absolutely certain in the smoke filled room of the the hierarchy of the Warren campaign. Somebody said, if we can get those Bernie Sanders folks to come to us, we are the nominee. We can have it tomorrow. And the Medicare for all what they wanted for. And it so was off brand how she laid it out. She lost 14 percent. Like that. Rich Rubino, go ahead, Rich. Go ahead with your comment. Oh, no, I was just going to say it's interesting in terms of, I think, with the Democratic Party, in terms of the reason that Bloomberg, well, obviously the fact that he's got $52 billion and he's willing to spend just about anything to get there. But I also think that there's an essential come to Jesus moment in the Democratic Party between, you know, I'm folks the Jesus like with the Jew. Moore. Really? Jews for Jesus. And there it is. That would be the uh, first yes, Jews yes. for Jesus reference we've done in this political campaign. Rich Rubino, continue. Yes, wonderful, wonderful. No, I think that what there is is, you know, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, it's the same scenario. Maybe no one's seeing this, but what happened with the Democratic Party in 1992. In 1992, if you remember, there were candidates like Tom Harkin and Jerry Brown who were given the old-time religion. Tom Harkin that year, he was a senator from Iowa, he said that he was, quote-unquote, a no-apologies liberal. Very similar to what you're hearing from Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And eventually, you know who the two candidates who percolated to the top were that year? You had Paul Songus, who said essentially the same thing. He's, he's almost a carbon copy with the, of Michael Bloomberg without the money. He proposed a gas tax, but he also said he's not going to do anything. Essentially, he's not going to criticize Wall Street because that's not the type of a person he is. Yet he was, in, yet he was liberal on social issues, liberals on issues, on issues like the environment, you know, called for a capital gains tax cut. Him and Bill Clinton, who called for a middle class tax cut, who was talking about the forgotten middle class, who wanted to be tough on crime, who wanted to end welfare as we know it, those were the two who matriculated to the top. What you're seeing this time around is you're seeing Pete Buttigieg, you're seeing Joe Biden, and now potentially Michael Bloomberg, three candidates that look potentially electable to the general election audience. And the fact that you have in the Democratic Party, you have folks like, you know, the purists, right. like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, they tend to be a little bit static right now. But unless, you know, I, I just see a very similar um, scenario right now because there's a Tulsi Gabbard wing of the party right now that says essentially both sides are the same. And, you know, she talks about the Clinton-Obama right. Bush-born policy. But then you also have the more realist and the more and the Democratic Party who say we just have to elect anybody but Trump, even if we have to kind of kick kicking and screaming, just like they did with Bill Clinton. Just one more thing in 1992. He still almost won New Hampshire, despite the fact that about a week before the election, he went right. back to Arkansas and executed Ricky Ray Rector, who um, essentially gave him the gave him the death penalty, which right. showed his bona fides on crime, which actually helped from the Democratic but, Party. Rich, it shows that he inoculated himself in the different charges in the general. Rich goes on liberal. these roles. Rich goes on these roles, and it's just unstoppable. And Sorry. Rich, no, it's okay. Rich, I like that role. That I, was interesting. Coming from you, that's pot calling kettle black. That's amazing. Oh. At least it wasn't a Rick role. Yeah, that, that's true. It's not. Uh, Richard. <laughs> That's, that's pot admiring. Admiring. The, the, yes, the, I know. The, I, appre- I appreciate the that. Yeah. There we go. Richard Bino, the, the question I have for you is, it almost seems like, I mean, on paper, Kamala Harris, literally a law and order, a, yeah. a law and order type attorney general, although in liberal California, black female, very strong on policies would have been the ideal candidate for the middle of the road. Is this an instance where Kamala Harris got sucked into the vortex of the far left and went so far left that she got taken down no. the drain? No. I think part of it was, you know, the fact that she is an African-American who attracted very few African-American votes. There were there were moments when people would, when folks would go after him. I think the main moment actually was when Tulsi Gabbard went after her, saying essentially, "You put you know thirteen thousand people in jail for marijuana use. You kept them in there while you laughed about it yourself. The fact that you had done marijuana." 
And I think that the fact that she is a prosecutor, it's not a time when the Democratic Party or the country in, use, the country in general, when Trump signed the First Steps Act, this is not the 1990s with the crack epidemic where it was just a th- lock, throw, uh, lock them up and throw away the McKee uh, mentality. I think a prosecutor is actually looked more as a liability. But I will say, though, that Doug Jones in Alabama, who was also a prosecutor and was a U.S. attorney, he was able to, to turn that into an advantage with African-Americans in part because um, he was able to secure the indictment of um, a domestic terrorist, Eric Randolph, and because he was able to go after the Ku Klux Klan and that type of thing. But in the case of Kamala And he was Kamala also Harris, running think, against a Republican whack job, too. Well, that helped him, but I'm saying it solidified his support within Poor the African-American community. Yeah, six of one, half dozen the other. An alleged pedophile, but it, it solidified his support within the African-American community. They viewed him as a champion, whereas Kamala Harris, I think there were a lot of black and brown people who did not view them as a, view her as a champion. They viewed her so, as a prosecutor, and this is not a time when a prosecutor is, is, a, um, is an asset, certainly not in the Democratic Party, and certainly not in the liberal bloodline of the Democratic Party. Right. Alan Moore, go ahead. Yeah, I think that, that Dan really got, got, this, got us off right on, on, on Kamala Harris in the very beginning when he said that, or pointed out that she never, was never really able to define herself in her search for self-definition, she also showed herself to be remarkably flexible. She was a Medicare for all-er for a while. She just abandoned it a little bit earlier than Elizabeth Warren did. And she showed <laughs> this, this uh, we'll call it flexibility, um, on, a, on a number of issues. She tried to define herself on the, on the law and order issue, trying to get with where the country is today and make it match up with her record, which was a fairly hard-ass uh, prosecutor. Yep. And, and it didn't work very well. She turned out to be not all that likable. And the, that issue matters. It continues to matter. And, and, and people recall how she behaved. I mean, some people who think about it would talked about uh, some of the way she right. handled herself in the Kavanaugh hearing where she, where she suggested so that she had some major secret to divulge about a Kavanaugh relationship with somebody in a law firm. So I've been saying so she's got this, this, this sort of tough side that, 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 that didn't deliver. Right. And, and at least she didn't say she was Spartacus. She did not have a Spartacus <laughs> moment, but but she was sitting next to somebody who did. And uh, true, it rubbed off. I but, think. But here's here's a question for you, though. The, the the question I've got is, you know, we we we've now seen Kamala Harris drop out. We're starting to see some of the ones who got sucked into the far left drop out. Although Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, still playing hard. Pete Buttigieg is not going to the far left. Uh, you are not seeing uh, you're not seeing Amy Klobuchar go to the far left. We're starting to see Mike Bloomberg, who has been who, who a else in the farm left. Uh, I mean, the people who have dropped out are nominal. Uh, it, all of them. I mean, you've got everybody I mean, from Bullock just dropped out. Well, he's, just, he's not moderate. He's not lefty at all. He's straight moderate. Well, you, I mean, we're talking about we're going back to Inslee. We're going back to. Uh, you know, a lot of the left. The Laney's a moderate. Is he still in the race? Has he dropped out yet? Uh, yes, he, he is. Out. Yeah, I know he's in it. Oh, did he? I thought he dropped down. I mean, much... Swalwell is. Swalwell. It's um, interesting that we don't even know if these people well, he are or not. Moderate. Yeah, no, I actually, had, about... I actually had that Marianne Williamson moment uh, when I was dri- driving back for Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I asked Christina to look up, and we couldn't find any information until we, Williamson? Uh, until we went to her website for her events, and she is still having both events in New Hampshire and, uh, and, and, and in Iowa. Oh. However, worth noting... The events are at these alternative wellness senator centers, so, which is comical in on its face. So, but I, guess, I guess the point I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make here is, is that you know we're starting to see more of a turn back to center. We you know Bloomberg's in it; he's driving everybody to center. Uh, Klobuchar is taking yep. a much more centrist approach. Uh, even Biden and the No Malarkey tour, which by the way, if you talk to the folks at Biden Town. Get them to change the name of the No Malarkey tour bus. I, 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 ha, 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 having heard the words come out of the man's mouth, 
Uh, that that's him. Okay. Um, you understand that that he's trending with nineteen twenty steel workers in the Brooklyn. I mean, it, so 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 for 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 all of so for all of our complaints right now, and the there are lots of things you can do with voters, and especially at the presidential level, um, there's one thing you can't. It gets flushed out absolutely. And that is, while you can polish, you can make yourself look the best version of yourself, you cannot create a wholesale fakery of it. And the wholesale fakery, and this is, I mean, Al Gore, uh, the the with the tan suits, uh, the 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 carry as an average guy, there there is a point where it simply isn't believable. And voters at the at the end of the day, at the national level, you just can't do it. Right. And all of the candidates that are still going forward, and even for while Elizabeth Warren's still going to be in it for the long haul, her, her collapse that occurred occurred because she tried to be something she's not. Sure. And that's consistently at the presidential right. level that comes through. Hold on, Charlie What's Bernie. Exception? Were, hold on, hold on. Charlie Bernie, you were giving me some sort of... Well, I just a, wanted to comment on the malarkey tour. What's I, that? I think it endears him to the older vote. Absolutely. They'll remember that guy who said malarkey, which communicated <laughs> them. Remember what my father said when he voted for a certain person who's in office. He just says what I want to hear. <laughs> okay, if you're trending again with yeah. 1920 <laughs> steel workers in Brooklyn. There's a, yes, there's a portion. I was just going to say... Yeah, go ahead, Rich Rubino. Sorry, there's one exception to that, and I actually think that's George W. Bush. If you look at it, I mean, here's somebody who went, to Harvard Business, who went to Harvard Business School, who went to Yale, and the first time he runs for Congress, he loses because he wasn't a real Texan. Oh, so he invents w. himself as a Texan, and literally a year before he runs for president, he purchases a ranch in Crawford, Texas. He hangs out on that ranch, he chops brush, and there are people in the hinterlands, in the middle of the country, who somehow think that he's one of them. Now, John Kerry tried to do wait, the same wait, thing. He went yeah, but wait, 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 wait. You're missing a whole big point here is that also remember the fact that George George H.W. Bush. Uh, no, he said or, George, or, w, George, w, George, w, George w. Bush. Oh, George W. Bush. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He also, no, I'm actually not certain but, that's true because he, he, he kind became, of was a guy's guy. No, because he, he also became he was a Texan of was, Texas. No, H. George W. did, and that's right. what we're no, talking that, about. That, 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 right. Yeah, George W. was a Texan. We're he, talking about George W. Yeah, no, we're I talking about said no, 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 no. So, so I was, I was thinking, I was thinking H. W. With, with 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 the pork rinds, but no, but uh, while that is that that is true, <clears throat> the fact that By the way, George we're W. We're going to refer to them as forty-one and forty-three, just so for clarity. Forty-three, and the the. And this was true. Part of the reason he beat Al Gore was the kind of guy, the the exact question that was asked. And there's comedy in it, considering what we know of W's background. The guy you could hang out and have a beer with uh, was W and not Gore. Now, ironically, everyone says Gore's a pretty funny guy in person. He's not on stage, but that's. It that didn't came, come across. It in 2000. came through. It, it you, the the sincerity and the genuineness came through. And at the end of the day, people get it. At the presidential level, you can't fake it. Yeah, no, it's true. But, but people were able to overlook, people were able, and this includes in Texas, people were able to overlook the fact that he went to the best prep school in the country, that he basically grew up in New England. They somehow viewed his guy as a rancher. And when he left office, he bought a $2.3 million home in North Dallas, and that's where he spends most of his time. I think the whole ranch. Is so, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So, so, so this is going a bit into the. In, I don't, don't want to go down to the weeds. We got a lot. We got a okay. lot of cover. Got we got a lot of cover. Here's the question for you: Is uh, which which is more surprising to you, Alan? Right now, this week in the uh, Democratic race, is it the fact that? Uh, Bloomberg is now in fifth place with a with a rocket ship behind him. Looks like he'll probably overtake uh, Klobuchar in the polls in the next week or two. Or is it that Pete Buttigieg is got a lead is although slight as big as it is, uh, it is. It's clearly Mayor Pete so far, uh, and then and then most of it coming at the uh, and a good good uh, portion coming at the expense of Warren. So her fall and 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 Mayor Pete's well, which rise. Is the, which is the bigger story? Well, I, they, I you know I I think they're both big stories, and they and they and they coincide with each other. There's sub stories, but I don't I don't I don't see that Bloomberg 
<laughs> he's got a lot of money behind him. I'm not sure that's a rocket ship. I think that there's an enormous amount of resentment you, you towards spend 30, him. Thirty million dollars on a TV buy. That's a rocket ship. So yeah, but but only if it works. Yeah, I worked we, with a guy we, who spent five million dollars to get five percent of the vote in the primary. So you, money you know, can't buy everything. Yeah, true, did, true. Did, did did you see did you see the latest Elon Musk uh, rocket blow up on the? Uh, uh, on the launch pad. I mean, right. th- there's a lot of money spent. Yeah, Jeb but, Bush led the led the field with a hundred million dollars. True. I, true. I think I think what's been, what's interesting though is how much v- how much vitriol was directed at Bloomberg from particularly Warren and Sanders, you know, the anti-billionaires, and then also from Mayor Bill De Blasio. It's almost like, wait. You're still angry that people in New York liked Bloomberg, and he's out publicly now trashing Bloomberg of all things, as though we care. So well, this is this is a good point. But here's here's the bigger question, Dan, as the Democratic political operative. You're talking about everybody's talking about the success of the Buttigieg campaign right now, except for the fact that now I will say, Pete Buttigieg is. Uh, polling rating amongst black voters has gone from zero to now four percent. Can Buttigieg is Buttigieg sustainable without getting a bigger number of black votes behind them? He doesn't have it yet, and it's to be seen. So. From what I've so I don't know any of the I mean, inner you can workings win, of the. You can uh, win New Hampshire, you can win Iowa, but when you go down into Super Tuesday or you go into the into the South, how do how do you prove yourself? Barack Obama didn't have the African American vote until after he won Iowa. Um, is that true? Is is that true? Yes, that is true. It changed almost overnight. Yes, really? so literally, and this is yeah. the, the 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 famous turn of John Lewis when he very painfully said, I love the Clintons, but and I am retracting my endorsement of Hillary Clinton and endorsing Barack Obama. It was a thing. Um, the the uh, Donna Brazil, I believe, said it best when talking about African-Americans don't know Pete Buttigieg. And also her words were, and they're a little nervous about saying his last name. (laughs) (laughs) I love Donna, I know you listen to this once or twice. If you're listening to this right now, I love you. So uh, the, the, uh, the, the fact that they don't know who he is is a true thing. And you can't exactly ignore the fact that this mayor of South Bend, Indiana, is a legitimate contender for the Democratic nomination. I can't name a a mayor of South Bend, Indiana, ever, (laughs) (laughs) let alone one running for president. Interesting. I have one for you. Skylar Colfax, the third, actually, who was – he's actually his – he was his father was Schuyler Colfax, and he was Ulysses S. Grant's vice president. Jeez. And he he was actually the only um, the only other person Charlie, himself, shut, the only person in history who actually was on a major party now, ticket. He is now at this Richard is the Bino, father of the one who Richard became Bino a mayor is now out of control. You anti-intellectuals, yeah. you can't even let him tell a story. No, Richard Bino, the second he talks about U.S. Ulysses S. Grant's vice, the father, I, I can't even go down that rabbit this hole. This is the this is the offspring of the one who was vice president. He was actually from South Bend, represented South Bend, and was actually Speaker of the House before he became Vice President. He was one of the two people who actually, him and John Nance Garner, who are both who controlled at one point both chambers, both the House and the Senate as Vice President. I don't hear Doris Kearns Goodwin doing this. How come come Doris Kearns Goodwin doesn't do this? Because Rich is better. Rich Rich has got better facts. (laughs) In in Rich's further defense, he was responding to your question. Who's ever heard of a Mayor, and I'm the who, moderator. Who's heard of a mayor of it. South Bend? Yeah, it was my was question. Okay, okay, fine. You allowed fine. him to ask the question. I, and Rich I simply responded. said, fine. I can't Everybody. name another mayor. And we, could have, we could have ended with a, I can name, I can one, name one, and then we're yeah. going forward. Jesus. Okay. Here's, here's a, okay, let's get back to reality here. Let's try and take control of this back. Um, the, so, Alan Moore, the, you look at the black vote. And particularly black voters who vote in primaries, they tend to be older. They tend to be uh, people of faith, very devout faith. And women. And, and women. 
you go to the South and you go to uh, the the church going Sunday best on the front porch with family. They tend not to be so socially acceptable of, let's say, gay people. Is is the conservative black primary voting crowd in the South ready to put their vote behind a white married gay veteran from South Bend, Indiana? I don't know. We're going to find out um, because he's going to be presumably His having... His logic says they he, don't. Well, fine, but we've never been in a situation like this where you've got somebody with momentum out of Iowa and then maybe out of New Hampshire. We don't know how Biden's going to hold up. They like Biden. They tend to be loyal. They, they, they've they known Biden. They feel comfortable with Biden. And Biden's got the Obama connection. Yeah. Um, but but I'm not... And, and there's a, there is... A, a fair amount of suspicion, not just among African Americans, but among other Americans, about 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 gay political candidates. the The country's changing; it's changing rapidly. Are we ready for a gay president? I don't know. Um, are we ready for African American primary voters to support one? I don't know. We're moving in that direction, so mostly people haven't even heard of him. And and they and, have now. And, and they can't pronounce. Well, I, I don't know how much they've heard of him down in South Carolina so far. <laughs> he's not spending time down there yet. Uh, maybe he's he's going down trying to meet in small groups. He spent some time with a really, really interesting guy named William Barber, who's a minister, African-American minister down in in. Uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina, who who runs a a, a poor people's campaign uh, enterprise with a whole host of other uh, religious leaders, and he comes to D.C. and he gets around. He's got right. a large following, right? So, and 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 Mayor Pete spent uh, spent a day with him this week. I um, mean, he is carefully, slowly, cautiously, intelligently moving out. He's not trying to make a splash, partly because he knows he can't. So. I think it's too soon to know. We we it was as was said. What what will John Lewis do? I'm not suggesting John Lewis will 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 leave Biden if he's in the Biden camp, which would be the logical place for him to be at this particular point in time. But if Biden slips and and Mayor Pete reaches out in appropriate ways and makes some progress, there are things that can happen. So Dan, we don't know. But what Dan, about Jim Clyburn in South Carolina? Could he be a kingmaker? Same thing. I think it's the same. I, I, I agree with Alan. I think it's the same thing. So for the first time in my memory, we're going to see four, if not potentially six candidates proceed through the primary cycle past Super Tuesday. Bloomberg's not going anywhere. Buttigieg is on the rise. Biden has his base of folks that have been sticking with him. He's been remarkably steady. Warren's folks are a little iffy. And and Bernie Sanders' people are Bernie or bust. But the one you haven't named that, that still sneaks up in the polls every once in a while, depending on what week it is, is Amy Klobuchar. So Klobuchar, you're correct. However, Klobuchar... Um, Klobuchar doesn't uh, go all the way left like Warren and Sanders, doesn't go, you know, total holding a sign saying I'm moderate I, I will, like Bloomberg I will, and did. I will be surprised even if she does moderately well. So Klobuchar has the, has the issue that there is no sizzle there. Well, she is absolutely moderate and she is absolutely a good senator and absolutely a decent person. There simply there is there is no excitement to be had. I, I'm not certain where it comes from. Now, if you have a fractured field and she can can continue to finance herself through Super Tuesday, which is a tough tough haul, but if she is able to do it, she could be a consensus alternative candidate. But it's tough for me to see her in the top six. Right. Um, and just the fact I'm talking about the top six. Going past Super Tuesday is an amazing here's, thing. Here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing about this, though. For her. I am hearing. I am hearing for the first time, Democrats here in D.C. say the words "brokered convention." Is that real? 
People always are saying brokerage yeah, no, 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 merger. No, no, well, we, we, political we nerds uh, are, are praying for a broker convention <laughs> well, on either side well, every presidential it, cycle. We don't know. We, you know, so many things, as, as Dan says, people are always talking about it, and then something occurs, and it's, then the path becomes clear. Klobuchar needs to do well in Iowa. She's got yeah, what is what, what is do well that she's got to be in the three. top three, and uh, in my in my mind, and she could be because she's it's nearby. She's got a bunch of surrogates in the area. You know, we may be tied up in the Senate for a month um, on uh, on uh, impeachment. She's got the governor of Minnesota and some other senior Minnesota politicos ready and 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 willing uh, to spend even more time on her behalf in Iowa. You you. You don't know, but if she can come out of Iowa with a little bit of momentum, and then and then move the operation, she doesn't have the dough to have multi-state large operations. I mean, is she is she this generation's Bill Clinton? No. Yeah, that's what I, I would just say. This first of all, she's going she's going to visit all 99 counties in Iowa, and here's how essentially she can make a fourth or a fifth place win. Same thing Frank Fred Harris did in 1976. He came in fourth place. He wasn't no one, no one really thought of him as a major candidate. He said, "I've winnowed myself in." as opposed to being winnowed out, someone who finishes fifth or sixth, like Biden and Chris Dodd in 2008. She said, I've been winnowed in. I think Amy Klobuchar, if she goes into fourth place, she says, I've been winnowed in. Then people start to look at her. She starts to get a lot of national attention. But in terms of brokered conventions, um, the last time there was a brokered convention was actually 1952, and it was both Republicans and the Democrats that had one. And on 1924, um, in the Democratic Party, John W. Davis won the nomination on the 103rd ballot in the Democratic Party. Imagine that. Rich, Rich Rubino, I just want to say for the record, I President love Davis, having you. President Davis, we're celebrating yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, Wait. Rich Rubino, I, I love having you on the show. I, I really do. But I am seriously thinking about putting in a 1980s or better rule on some of your historical facts because you can go really down you've got great facts sir and we appreciate that but good keep it up rich keep it up don't Don't listen to justice (laughs) don't encourage this no actually encourage it it's good having him on the show um we're uh we're we're fortunate by the way so here in a minute we're going to take a quick break when we come back um we're going to have uh, an old friend of ours on uh dan gabriel and if you recall was has been on our show previously he is a uh, former CIA officer, uh, former counter. We can say that. He, oh, he got it cleared. <laughs> Don't shush me. I'm the one who did this. Um, the uh, So anyway, so he's uh, he did a movie called Mosul, which we talked about on a previous episode of Backroom Politics. It's a great movie. It, it, fantastic movie if you get a chance to see it. Um, well, the sequel's Tove? No, no, it's not. But he <laughs> is up for an Oscar consideration, an Oscar nod. Ah. And we're going to talk to him about that. We're going to talk to him about the challenges. We're going to talk to him about uh, about veterans and politics and Pete Buttigieg. How's that? We're going to get him on the phone. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will have Dan Gabriel on the phone with us. This is Backroom Politics. I got a desperate notion. That's the way I feel today. My heart is aching because he's making a plaything of my devotion. That's the way I feel today. Without any reason or a word to say, that man turned his keys in. He packed and went away. What good is living? I'll soon be giving my body up to the ocean. That's the way I feel today. From Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. This is Backroom Politics, the best political podcast you've never downloaded. Hey, joining us on the line is old friend of ours. He is the former Central Intelligence Agency counterterrorism officer, uh, did six tours in the sandbox at various times. He is also an acclaimed independent filmmaker that is uh, create that that did an independent film called Mosul. Uh, we're talking about our old friend Dan Gabriel. Dan, how you doing? Gentlemen, good to be with you guys again. Oh, it's good. Well, we, we love having you on the phone. We'd love to have you here in studio at some point, but thanks for Absolutely. joining us. Hey, Dan, let's let's talk about the movie first, and then we'll have a couple of other questions afterwards. Uh, when we last spoke to you, you had released your uh, independent film documentary called Mosul. 
it was getting praise. You've won a couple of awards, I believe. We did, yeah. Um, what what is the latest as far as new awards, new accolades, and what's uh, the next step for the movie? Sure. Well, the biggest milestone is uh, is next week, December 10. So it's, uh, I'm surprised anybody's uh, actually talking about anything else in this town other than impeachment uh, this week. But across the country and on the west coast, on the west coast, they're they're talking about the Oscars. And what? Uh, the voting, the first round of the voting uh, ends on December 10. So and you are. Have, uh, yeah, we've qualified for the Oscar Best Documentary Feature. Uh, now, that said. Give Ukrainian support. Talking about 155 <laughs> other films, but still cut down from you know several thousand documentaries that were produced around the world this year. So uh, I'd say we probably have a 50-50 shot at, at making it through the first uh, gate. Uh, which would be what they call the shortlist. So the, the best 15 uh, will be voted on December 10 and, and move on to the, the five nominees. And then ultimately uh, at the Academy Awards night, uh, they'll pick the winners. So, yeah, Mosul has definitely got some legs. We've been really, really pleased with its reception uh, over the last couple of months since the summer when it was released. We've been bringing it around the country, showing it to veterans groups, uh, brought it to Princeton University, a couple other universities, showing it to uh, Middle East Studies program so it's it's really kind of get a, a cross-pollination of interest uh between you know people that were either fighting well, in the middle east at some point right. in the last 15 years and and people that are from that part of the world are interested and, in it dan i gotta tell you something i i'm I, i'm flattered and i'm honored that you would use our show as part of your for your consideration uh <laughs> uh publicity <clears throat> So, what impact has has you found that Mosul has had, just not on just the general American public, but are you noticing that Mosul's getting some attention focused back on that key region in eastern Iraq, western Syria? Yeah, well, we've we've done a couple things as part of our kind of influencer outreach. So, the first thing uh, that we did uh, back in September was we actually mailed a copy to pretty much every significant member of Congress, uh, House and Senate, that's involved with uh, national security or Middle East politics or veterans affairs, because we think it's an important film. And, and the message, which really parallels the success that we saw across two administrations, beginning with President Obama, ending with President Trump, the success of Operation Inherent Resolve is really what the film is about. Uh, and we truly believe that it, there, there's a lesson in here in terms of how the United States can approach uh, conflict in the Middle East, you know, our, our relationship with Iraq and Syria and Turkey and Iran. There's there's a lot of lessons to be learned. So from an educational standpoint, trying to educate Congress and send out a couple uh, a couple cases of DVDs up to uh, up to the hill. Uh, but then from a more near and dear to my heart uh, standpoint, we've done a lot of screenings for veterans. And, and, and the buzzword that we've heard, which I, I didn't really anticipate, was kind of uh, symbolism of Mosul as Saigon, Saigon for the Iraq-Afghanistan uh, generation of veterans really? uh, who fought there. Yeah, because, you know, it's geographically, um, there, there's some parallels to, you know, to the strategic importance of, of the, the city of Mosul. It's the second largest city in Iraq, of course, and, it, and it's really a microcosm of the Middle East. So it's, it's not Baluj, it's not Ramadi, which are just purely Sunni, uh, you know, enclaves. It's really a diverse city, and that's what made the fight uh, against ISIS there so unique and, and so inspiring in many cases that you had Sunni and Shia and Kurds and Christians all, come, all coming together uh, to ultimately affect this outcome. So, so Dan, we spoke before, uh, right before the president had made his announcement about pulling American troops out of that part of what we look at as Kurdistan or Kurdish Iraq uh, and that part of uh, Western Syria is is there any possibility that your movie would help kind of tell the story and tell the reality of the difficult process that are uh, that is the efforts of the Iraqi Defense Forces the Peshmerga the Kurdish fighters is is this is this a um, is this a message that needs to go out and is Mosul the message to do? 
Absolutely. Uh, well, first and foremost, uh, our, some of our filmmakers and people that were involved in making this film are Kurds, uh, and they were, you know, frankly, very disappointed with the president's decision uh, to, to pull us out of Syria. Uh, at the same time, you know, the, the Kurdish uh, factor is, is a big part of the victory that we saw in Mosul, and it will be a significant uh, part of how the, how the modern Middle East kind of re- reshapes itself in the next decade. So, yeah, there's, there's absolutely lessons there. Um, I think we've seen, you know, a little bit of confusion in our national security policy over the last two months, uh, and now there's there's word that actually some special forces troops have gone back into Syria now, uh, this time to defend oil facilities. So, yeah, you know, the Kurds are very very sensitive to this issue. Uh, we've done screenings with them and, and sat down and talked with them, and um, you know, they, they they think it's a good message. I think the movie is a good message. Uh, and that, that there's a lesson in there for policymakers. Have, have, have you sent Have you sent a copy over to the office of the Secretary of Defense? Uh, we did drop a couple on uh, on the Pentagon. I'm I'm not sure where where they ended up, but I know some folks at the Pentagon have seen it, as well as my former employer, uh, Lane. Very good, very good. So, so Dan, Dan, a question yeah, for yeah, you: ahead. If 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 one of us or if if somebody listening to the show wants to see this movie, how do we go about it? Absolutely. It's, uh, they can stream it tonight. It's on iTunes. It's on YouTube. It's on Google Play. Uh, they can also go to our website, Mosul.film. Uh, use the promo code RADIO, R-A-D-I-O, and get, uh, I think it's 20% off. So uh, if you're looking for some stocking stuffers from vets or folks in your family that may have served in Mosul, I think this would be something of certainly of interest to them. Well, excellent. Thank that, you. That, no, that, that's that's great news. And and Dan, obviously, you know, we do have uh, friends of ours who are quote unquote in the biz on the West Coast uh, that do listen to the podcast. Uh, obviously, if you are a voting member of the Academy and you listen to us, please give your consideration to uh, Dan Gabriel's independent movie Mosul for best featured documentary. Uh, Dan, here's the question: Is are are you looking forward to walking the red carpet when you get nominated? Absolutely, I will send you a selfie uh, when I'm there. Of course, the you know there's there's a long road to go there. We're we're up against some pretty great films, uh, and, and Mosul's really the underdog here. It's uh, completely under the radar for most of Hollywood. We're up against some Michael Moore back films, so. You know, we we know how it'll end, but we're we're gonna we're gonna give them the bar fight, nevertheless. And what designers are you wearing when you're on the red carpet? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm gonna let you guys pick that for me. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. You got to see what we're wearing right now, Dan. Uh, Dan Gabriel, uh, the movie is Mosul. Encourage you to go check this out. We're gonna tweet the uh, the website out on our Backroom Politics Twitter account. And uh, Dan, as always, hey, uh, we got to get you back in the studio. We got a bunch of other issues we got to talk to you about, but there is Absolutely. one. There's one issue Rocky, I need. You, you it. got it. But there's one issue I wanted to ask you about real quick. And uh, you worked very closely with the Special Operations Command folks. Um, yeah. And the, the the question I have for you is uh, the 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 firing of the Secretary of the Navy based on the president's intervention in the case involving a chief special war, uh, special operations uh, warfighter uh, from the US Navy SEALs is is this was the secretary of the navy overreacting or is this inappropriate that the president would get involved in a UCMJ or a disciplinary issue at the rank of chief just to give somebody that, that they could keep their badge. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's clearly unique. Uh, we it's not something we've seen before. You know, I, I actually went to the same high school as General Milley, albeit graduated a couple of years after him. Uh, and I've met, I've had the pleasure to meet him a couple of times, and I know he was probably involved in the decision making. Of course, if that was what the Secretary of Defense uh, decided to do. Uh, and I got to think he knows a lot more about it than I do, and, and that probably uh, was the right outcome, given that, you know, frankly, the Secretary of the Navy just had lost the uh, confidence of his commander in chief. Now, President Trump, of course, has every right to pardon or, or set aside, uh, you know, that, that that type of punishment. Uh, you know, whether it's it's good for the, the the order and structure and the unity cohesion of of units, probably not from from people that I've talked to, uh, but. 
Uh, you know, again, not being a veteran, the CIA is run a little bit differently as a civilian organization, so uh, we don't we don't face the same kind of uh, stringent uh, order and, and uh, rules that they do. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good observation. Uh, again, the movie is Mosul. Uh, go to Mosul.film. Dan Gabriel, always good to talk to you, my friend. Keep Gentlemen, in touch. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Not Take a problem. Care. And right. on behalf of, uh, well, real quickly around the table, Alan Moore, anything you want to add in the last two minutes? No, I, I, I think at some point it might be worth a little bit of conversation about what the president did in that case and the way he intervened and, and what, what the implications are for order in the military. Dan touched on it, but as he pointed out, uh, CIA is not part of the of DOD. Right. Um, and has I do want to talk d- about d- that. Different st- set of operating rules. And, and, and we got to get maybe Admiral, we can get Admiral, Admiral Ken, Ken in on, on that, on that yeah. because I'm guessing that he would— uh, He's got an a, opinion. Very, very strong and relevant opinions on the matter. Yeah, as and as a veteran myself, as from the naval from the naval services, I was Coast Guard, not Navy. I can tell you right now, this has got me all torqued uh, on so many levels. Anyway, uh, Dan Lutner, anything you want to add, real quick? Um, well, just the other item on that that uh, I had forgotten that uh, Trump also threatened to strip the uh, ribbons and medals from those who prosecuted the case. Yeah. Uh, that, this, that's this, special in all that sorts up. of levels. I think we're going to bring levels. this up next week. I think we'll bring this up next week. Uh, we are going to bring this up next week, in fact. Uh, Rich Rubino, last chance. Anything you want to bring up real quick? Nope. Uh, we'll talk about it next week. Very good. Uh, Charlie Bernie, as always, we really, really appreciate uh, you filling in for Rob the Engineer and keeping us honest on this. Thank you very much. Uh, Maddie, do we call her Maddie the Engineer? Do we call her yes. Maddie, the, Maddie. Maddie the Engineer? Maddie the Engineer. Yep. Maddie the Engineer. Okay, Maddie the Engineer, thank you for being Maddie the Engineer today. We appreciate that. Uh, but on behalf of Alan Moore, Dan Lipner, and uh, Rich Rubino, I'm your host, Justin Russell. By the way, you can follow us on Twitter at Backroom Politic. Uh, special thanks also to Dan Gabriel. Um, again, the movie is Mosul, Mosul.film. Uh, you can also follow us on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Backroom Politics Radio. Uh, check out our website, backroompolitics.org, and you can download us as a podcast, Which, because we are a podcast, on your favorite source for podcasting, be it Google, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, oh, iTunes is Apple, uh, iHeartRadio. Uh, we're kind of a big deal now. Have a great week, America. We'll see you.